everyone, and welcome to your June edition of the Cinematic Schematic. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, uh, the editor-in-chief and film critic at thecinematropolis.com. We're going to do something a little different this month because we did so much cool stuff for Dead Center over this month. Uh, instead of uh, doing a film review, soundtrack panel discussion, we're just going to stick with talking about a little film that is loosely related to our theme this month of coming of age. Uh, one that I think a lot of folks are really interested in, Hereditary. This is a film I've been looking forward to talking about for quite a while. Uh, but before we get rolling, I do want to go ahead and welcome you to the table. Uh, after taking uh, a month off and releasing a movie to the wide world, we're rejoined by Laron Chapman, writer, director of You People, and of course, contributor here at Cinematropolis. Welcome back. It's good to be back, as always. And for the first time on our more traditional episode we have christopher schultz who is a writer here at the cinematropolis he also joined us on our dead center recap and did a lot of awesome dead center coverage uh, covering short films covering puppet master and he's written about a number of other films on the website in the past so christopher welcome to the cinematic schematic great to be here we're going to talk about hereditary in one moment but i i want to i want to catch up with you here Laurent. yeah yeah you you put out a movie i did in did. june early this did. month it was my directorial debut Mm-hmm. Feature film. Feature film, directorial mm-hmm. debut. How does it feel? It feels really good. It feels really validating to have finally got to see it with a, I won't say a pretentious audience, but you know, film festival goers, are. Mm-hmm. it's a different experience than general movie goers. So to get that positive response was really, really, really validating, yeah. Does it feel like a, a burden has been lifted off your shoulders? I feel, mo- a, I feel a, motivated to do it again now. Excellent. So that's I got the itch now. I got the director's itch. So you are now the director. You're like, I on to the next thing. On to the next thing. It's time to get busy to writing another script. So you've got like five other scripts in the works. I have two more ideas for feature scripts, but they are not written now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we are so glad to have you back. And uh, you know, we we haven't had it last month. We we didn't get to do more of a a traditional review. Alexandra and I talked about Deadpool two. Yeah. Uh, You know. And it was fun, but it was like not, it was a slight Ron Chapman missing. Oh, <laughs> well, that's sweet. <laughs> but I feel like this movie is a little more in your real house anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. I can't wait to talk about uh, today's film, Hereditary. All right, everyone. So as a reminder, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening device and check out all of our work from Laurent Chapman, Christopher Schultz, and myself all at thecinematropolis.com. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump right into uh, this month's movie, Hereditary. Come on, Peter. Yes, you're suing. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's Grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. So the synopsis for Hereditary on the IMDb reads... After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets. That's putting it lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about as ex- succinct as you can get I think, right. with, with this movie, but right. it, it's so much more. There's so much more there. Read between the lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so well, let's just go ahead and start with our reactions because this movie is kind of kind of bonkers. Uh, Christopher, what was your initial reaction after seeing this film? It very much, I, I, my head was definitely reeling from it. Um, and I thought about it quite a bit and <laughs> um, I'm still thinking about it. I, it's been probably two or three weeks now since I've seen it. And it's, it's still very much high in my mind. Um, but I, you know, I, I felt that it, it did go into some territory that I had seen before, but it handled in a way that I, that I'd never seen before. And it was just very, very intense 
I, I mean, my neck hurt <laughs> from, from watching this and it's not, you know, from jumping, you know, it's not, it's not from anything like that. Like jump scares. I think there's, I think there's maybe one jump scare in the whole thing. Um, but you, you do, you just, you just feel yourself tensing up through this whole thing. It's just, it's, and you hurt afterwards. Um, so, so yeah, really physically impactful, men- mentally impactful, um, which I think is the best you can hope for. Yeah. Lauren, how about you? What'd you think? Well, um, I've often made fun of, you know, the sea of girls behind me that will normally scream at everything that happens in it. They react to everything. But I was reduced to that towards in the at least in the third <laughs> act, you know, of the film. I normally am pretty good at pretty desensitized to all forms of horror. Um, I enjoy them for the craftsmanship and everything, but this was the first time in a long time where I was physically, like you said, tense, very uncomfortable there towards the end because it just goes to some dark places, some that were really relatable. But what I loved most about this film in particular was that all of the horror was rooted in kind of human, you know, human grief, human emotion, human, you know, so everything came kind of was kind of sprouted from that. So it made everything that was happening that much more relatable on a realistic level so even the supernatural stuff yeah no absolutely and what i love about this film is it takes its time getting where it wants to go it kind of has it has a very eerie opening i noticed Uh, i I actually caught this film twice so i I caught it at the south by southwest film festival which i like one in the morning by the way it was a midnight show and because ready player one got started late they pushed all the programming later oh wow uh, so even though it was in a different venue they wanted to make to make sure everyone who was at that movie could make it to hereditary because it was one night only and it was only in two theaters oh wow um and uh so it was very late and uh it was a very surreal festival going ex- experience it, yeah. it, first time it, this is you know you go to film festivals uh here at dead center but there's something about like these really intense horror films and the st- and a festival environment that heightens the intention because everyone feeds off each other. It's like the ideal horror audience. Um, so it was definitely all that said, my, my first viewing experience, I was kind of shocked, mm-hmm. uh, and disturbed, disturbed and is the word unnerved. disturbing more than it's just scary. It's, it's very disturbing. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Disturbing. I mean, it's scary and unnerving in other ways, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think disturbs a, a good way to put it. The second time I, I saw it was in a more traditional theater-going experience, and it was still great. The, the audience was still very reactive. But the thing I noticed about the second time was it sets a very eerie tone with the music cues and the visual language very early on. And that tension and just, like, sense of dread never really goes away. It's there throughout the whole time. It's just kind of, I mean, it, it thickens as it goes along, but it's always there because the characters are kind of already living in a state of horror the whole time, you know, that that's both both rooted in like trauma that kind of, you know, manifests itself in different ways as they're dealing with grief for a, different, a whole host of different reasons. But no, absolutely. And I appreciate that this film really lives in that it lives mm-hmm. in the discomfort of the family drama. The discomfort of the family drama is only there to to set up how this Thing is going to come in and exploit that. The mm-hmm. film exploits the family drama after you spend well over an hour, hour and a half in the end of this movie, just yeah. getting to know this family and, the, and their pressure points and their weaknesses. That's when the film really starts to take advantage yeah. of you as the uh, the film goer. <laughs> and I think that's what makes this, for me, this makes it this, this is a, a really outstanding horror film. And much in the same way as I would say, uh, you know, the, the Witch uh, or The Exorcist. Like films that are great dramas, mm-hmm. and they use horror as a means to drill down and exploit those ideas in a very heightened supernatural way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's kind of like the high level, you know, initial reaction I had uh, the second time, which I think it, it stands up very well the second time for me as well. Um, it, 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 I'm like, yeah. this is one that's going to stick around in my head. I've been thinking about it for like three months. Off well, and Tony on. Collette is just like so phenomenal in it i mean just i mean there's that whole sequence are we saying spoilers no no spoilers yet no, no spoilers spoil- yet no, okay. no no yeah <laughs> never mind <laughs> even without spoilers she's yes. fantastic in this film and i i would i would love to see her get nominated for some awards i, I doubt I, it will happen i I'm, I I'm the same way i'm on that vote i'm like i'm like it is deserving of one will it happen 
it's one of those things. It's one. I mean, it just depends on how the year goes. I mean, and it's you true. know, if this film sustains any momentum. I mean, it 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 did pretty well considering everything. But as as of now, but I think that having the conversation now is really great. Uh, I I don't know. I think is it gonna happen? Is she gonna get nominated for an Oscar? Probably not. But I will say, um, Tony Collette. I think is the the strongest performance in the film. And I think as long as this film is talked about throughout the year, it doesn't lose momentum. I think there, there's that opportunity to come around. If people are still talking about it or if the studio decides to push that, mm-hmm. like, Hey, come November, people are still talking about it. And the studio's like, Hey, there's enough buzz here. Let's go ahead and throw some, some Oscar dollars behind it to, yeah. to build that campaign. I think, I think they have a very valid opportunity here. So I think, yeah, Tony Collette and the Oscar conversations, Best original um, screenplay too. Yeah, could oh, yeah. definitely be at yeah. least a nomination. Yeah, there and I mean in particular, I mean she there's like five or six huge dramatic set pieces that they could draw from for her little sound bites. Like in like the dinner table scene, for example, when she mm. scolds mm. you know the son for calling her out on something like that moment. I I saw it twice in theaters, and that that always stands out to the, me. The, the dinner scene is a great example a great of what moment. makes this film work. Uh, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, there's a so there's a dinner scene about two thirds the way through the film, uh, halfway through the film actually. We'll say mm-hmm. halfway through the film, and it, it is just the most uncomfortable thing because no one's talking and and it's it's bothering everybody. And so when some when she finally you know she's called out to say what the unsayable you know, um, then you know the full weight of all of their problems just kind of gets. You know, it's like once the, the once the dirty laundry gets brought up, once the elephant is let out of the room, right. it just goes through and wrecks the entire household. It's like you said you wanted to know, but you really didn't want to know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I think performance is obviously this is going to be uh, a real strong point. Best original screenplay. So obviously we think this the, the drama element elements work as well. Let's talk a little bit about the horror elements. So obviously we, we think the horror elements work rather well, um, but it, it kind of touches on the conversation happening on the internet right now. Is this a horror movie? I think it absolutely is. I think I've, I've heard the argument both ways, you know, like it doesn't feel like one. And I, that's what I love most about it. I like it's really refreshing the way that, the horror again is so personal, you know, it's like, um, the loss of a loved one, like how that could be one person's horror film in their life, you know, that they're living in that space. Um, and it deals with that in, and it, it operates the same way, you know what I mean? The way it affects, you know, humans, you know? So, I mean, instead of just inserting, you know, a masked killer, you know what I mean? Like the same fears, you know, kind of, you know, affect us in different ways but yeah. well and there's one thing I uh, don't want to spoil but there's a certain scene early in the film that it's not a horror thing mm-hmm. but it plays with suspense really well you see a thing and you see a thing happening you're like oh mm-hmm. I see that they're doing something with this this item over here I'm not going to spoil it but you yeah. see it and you're like oh this is not going to end well for someone. We don't know exactly what we don't know yeah. what's going to happen but it's that same tension you get of like when you see this you might as well see the serial killer just like stalking mm-hmm. outside the house and see and start sh- shouting at the screen like no don't do it i know, know exactly what scene you're referring to and without saying it yeah they kind of subvert that trope there in that way because you you it presents a conflict and then a conflict happens but not the conflict you think is going to happen right. so yeah, it's much worse much, this right. is very much a horror film that that wants to subvert your expectations mm-hmm. for sure yeah, no, there's a, uh, yeah, no, it does that uh, time and time again throughout the film where, where you're watching the screen, you say, you see something, you're like, oh, I know how this is going to go. We've seen this movie like a million times and it doesn't do it. It doesn't, it doesn't do the thing you're expecting it to do on numerous occasions. Right. And I think that's a, a little frustrating for a lot of viewers. The, yeah. The thing, uh, it's in the, the, it's interesting, the, the, the conversation, is this a horror movie? Like this is not a film that is interested in jump scares. It's not interested in the genre tropes at all. Really, I mean, I don't know. It has tropes, but it doesn't utilize the at- them. The atmosphere is there, yes, you know. But I don't yeah. know if, like you said, like the the follow through, the paint by numbers, the run across the screen, the cat sort of thing, like that 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 they're not interested in the cheap scares, you know. They're, yeah, I think the I think the people who are mostly saying that it's not a horror movie are the types who you know are in for like The Conjuring or mm-hmm. you know some you know gorier entries, you know, uh, torture porn or what have you, or you know the 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 slasher genre um and and that's the thing is that horror is a very multifaceted genre it's yeah. it's got you know th- this is more of a quiet horror mm-hmm. um up until a point and we'll get to that but <laughs> uh, you know it i mean this is 
this is very much kind of steeped in like the gothic horror tradition, I think, rather than um, more filmic examples, you know, mm-hmm. the, the history of horror film. Um, this is, this has history of horror film, but it's also, you know, horror literature. Um, yeah. And so I think that that can definitely be off-putting for, for people who don't, you know, often go see, especially when a film like this gets so talked up and there's so much hype surrounding it. Um, there's, there's an expectation I think that gets set that, that I think a lot of people are wanting to see, but they're not getting. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. The expectation thing. And it's interesting to me because I had seen the trailer and it had come out, had Sundance before I'd seen this movie. And I was like expecting to be shook Mm -hmm. and I was shook, but I wasn't shook because I had like, again, like it wasn't, I think it goes all back to the individual. Like, what do they actually want from a horror movie? Like, I was shook because they're asking some really upsetting questions and exploring some very upsetting things. And it's like, I don't feel like any amount of preparation I had could have necessarily really had me ready to not be shook. Just because that's the type of story they're they're, they're trying to tell. A lot of times I compare The Conjuring to The Exorcist, but a little more modernized. And I feel like this is even more like The Exorcist, Mm -hmm. but it's still modernized, but in very different ways because you're right the conjuring does have all the jump scares and all the things people expect but i also think in a lot of ways it nails the atmosphere really well um but this movie doesn't have any of those like jump scares or uh it doesn't it's not interested in like getting your adrenaline running like that's it is but like the the movie is not about the adrenaline rush the movie is less about the plot it's less about the plot they're really interested in these people because i mean it is in many ways it's like a five-way kind of character study you know, mm-hmm. yeah, or it, meditation on grief. You know, so it's sort of the difference of you know riding a roller coaster versus witnessing a car accident. You know, yeah. like both mm-hmm. are going to be jarring experiences, but for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to unfold differently too. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a that's a great example. And I, I don't know, it just it, it's. I'm glad that this conversation is happening because it's something that's it's been on my mind a lot in the last year is just that how internet cultures in general have despite us being more connected than ever we found other ways to separate ourselves so a lot of times it, we're like out of touch with what other people think so whenever yeah. you see this like brilliant film that in my mind is reminiscent of classics mm-hmm. the great uh, horror classics and someone says it's not a horror movie i'm like what are you like where does this where does this come from? You know, it's because they don't have that same language. They didn't see the classics. They saw stuff that started coming out in the eighties and nineties, and uh, you know, um, it's just an entirely different era of horror, which is not bad. It's just it's an interesting conversation that's been happening, and I'm a little more hopeful that we can reach a consensus on this one. But it's been frustrating to say the least. But no, I, I, I agree. I, this is every bit of horror movie as the greats, and I think this is a great. I think this could be in the. I mean, we'll, we'll see. But it's we'll stuck with me. Ends up, yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think it's in that conversation. It also kind of deals with like you know like the family structure and how that dynamic is kind of because here you have again literal inheritance of different different issues you can see tony collette's character is not warm towards you know her mother her mother's passing she gives this very dispirited you know eulogy of her at the and you know you, you notice that she's saying the truth but she's not saying what people want to hear she's saying how she truly feels about her and i thought that that really set it up really nicely because then you kind of see the dynamic of her with her son and you know her her daughter and how there's just is not this warmth and this coziness like you would normally see you know with in the, with the family structure you can tell that they all have been in some way affected by years and years of abuse that just keeps getting passed down you know from person to person but yeah you get that vibe very fast this is not a happy happy family yeah. uh, by, by any means which uh, i think is another subversion of what we would expect because right. typically you know in a horror movie especially of late you know the family is usually pretty happy and it's the supernatural elements that start to create to that problem and, right where here they're exploiting it you right know, but, Right, it's 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 there from the get go, mm-hmm. even before the the crazy stuff starts happening. Right, right, and you know, again, it's the the the, the problems, the, the human drama is is all there, and the evil is this film could exist just as well without I mean, the supernatural without the supernatural elements. I mean, of course, it goes really off the rails in the last act, mm-hmm. like toward it's fully embracing that horror. Thing. But I I think that like the horror that is manifested the in the way it manifests itself is is just a more thematic way to communicate the ideas yeah. of family drama, family trauma, um, maybe a little bit of angst among mm-hmm. 
you know, upper middle or yeah, upper middle class Americans in the Midwest sort of thing. Like I, I think all of that's that's there. Uh, and the horror is only there. As terrifying as all, as, as dry as that sounds, that stuff's all like when you really start to break it down, it's pretty upsetting. And mm. so you, you just add that horror flavor on there and you have a bona fide. Yeah. And they're all haunted. They're all haunted by their choices, too. I noticed mm-hmm. that. Like the son is haunted by a particular choice that happens. And the daughter, the, the I mean, the um, the mother, of course, Tony Clyde is, is haunted by. Um, you know, her, her relation, not having a better relationship with, with her, mother. with her mother, you know, and it just kind of, you know, you can see that when the father is uh, haunted by the fact that he can't make his family happier. Right. Like, you know he what I mean? seems to be the most sensible and, and pleasant of all of them or the most positive thinking at least, you know, but right. he's also so detached as so, well. Right. As, and so it, it does, it kind of comes, calls into question, you know, his role in all of this, right. what yeah. more could he have, have done? done? Yeah. 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 Definitely. No, absolutely. Well, because by the time he starts to act later in the film, you're like, where have you been this where whole movie? Been? It's <laughs> kind of too late now. Everyone is yeah. pretty much at 100% capacity. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and little things, little things like keeping secrets from a spouse. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. those, those little mm-hmm. tiny things that they plant throughout the film. You're like, oh, yeah, this is not healthy. Mm-mm. You know, this is not okay. And, then, uh, you know, when the chickens come home to roost in the family, that just sets up what I think is a, a really spectacular ending uh, at the last stretch of the film. Um, so uh, I, I do want to talk a, a lot about this film and spoilers. So we'll, we'll kind of cut to the chase there. But before we do, I uh, want to recommend to our listeners who maybe haven't seen the film or maybe they have and they want, just want to hear what we think about the film. How would we recommend the film? Uh, so of course, uh, uh, here in the Cinematic Schematic, we rate based on are you gonna are you going to go out and see it and purchase it? So is this a buyer? Is this a full price film where you go and see it at the, the, the 6 p.m. showing on a Saturday? Is it a matinee? A film, uh, do you stream it, or is this totally just a skipper? Uh, I would buy it. I'd like to. I'd like to see this film several times. I'd like to study it actually, because I think. I mean, it's a. It's the first horror film I'm seeing in a long time. That's really kind of. I mean, I think it follows is probably the last one I saw that I really like. They were doing new things with it. Not a perfect film, but another film. Where it's, a, it's an interesting film. A very, I want to rewatch that again. Right, where it's like mm-hmm. there's some there's things going on in there that aren't being done in traditional horror films in the, in the same way here. So. I would buy it. A buyer. Christopher, what about you? I would buy it as well. Um, it's it's great to see it in a movie theater, um, especially where the sound design is concerned. Um, so if you don't have a solid you know home theater at home, uh, the, the experience and what they do with sound is is particularly effective in the theater. Um, but but watching it at home too. I mean, even if you don't, you know, um, it, beautiful cinematography uh, yeah. on it as well. It's 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 a beautiful film. Um, and one that I think does deserve several viewings to really sort of get at the nuances and, mm-hmm. the, and the subtleties of it. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's a visually layered film too. Yeah, I didn't even talk about that. Like this is a film that pops. I love the, the opening shot of the movie. It's just such a mind fuck, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. well, because the mom make. Well, I don't think it's in the first shot of the movie. Basically, it's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. You know, the, the, they they pan in on this house. The, this the little house. Tony Collette has been making, and because that's what she does for profession, mm-hmm. and it just. It kind of like set me up to think: Is this all like a dream, or you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just sets that atmosphere and that tone, though, really, mm-hmm. really effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it seems to be their outlet. I mean, because she uses that and to kind of recreate traumatic experiences. Oh yeah. And then her daughter makes kind of makeshift toys out of junk. You know, it's kind of she's inherited this that. This family's so, so freaking weird, guys. So they, <laughs> they they have their own their own. The, the the kids, the only one that comes off is like just kind of a normal like, just you know, uh, rebellious teen, but. You know, yeah. Uh, yes, and and actually, got to give a shout out to Alex Wolf from <laughs> the, the the Naked Brothers Band guy. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, that would be the 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 main boy, and uh, Millie Shapiro as well as Charlie. Mm, yeah, uh, which right. is uh, the, the daughter. Uh, the first role, I think, too. Yeah, very uh, effective. Yeah, yeah, very very good. Very effective. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely second the table. This is, uh, yeah, it's pretty boring. We all agree. Like, this is just an amazing film that you should absolutely buy. And I do have to say, like, if you can find, you know, it's been out for a couple weeks now, so it might be a little harder to come by, but finding a good audience with this is a mm-hmm. really yeah. Yeah. amazing experience. The South by Southwest audience, and I know you can't replicate that, but was, you know, just everyone would feed off each other. Something moves, someone would shout in the back, and then all of a sudden everyone else is more tense. And then, you know, especially once that snowball gets bigger and bigger towards the end, it just it breaches like a fever pitch and everyone's like losing their minds. Yeah. 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 And it was the same way with, uh, on a much smaller scale when I saw it, it was on a matinee, but there was people who were like, there was a woman crying in the back of the theater by the time the movie's over. I'm not even, I'm not <laughs> even, I'm not lying. I was like, I she, don't, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I, I buy that. Yeah. <laughs> I buy that. <laughs> I like, I'm like, I'm like, is she laughing? Oh no, she's crying. Yeah. Oh, did you see that gosh. thing they did on the website where they 
did the heart rate heart rate meter where they kind of like tested people's heart rate at certain points in the story and there's points where it just peaks you know so they're towards the end i can imagine where but um i thought that was really interesting too because it does it it stays pretty like middle ground and then it just just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing and then at the end it just doesn't is it funny yeah when i saw that chart that i was like oh i know what happens here and Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. and oh here's this once you've seen it you can you can pinpoint what's going on yeah there's some truly terrifying imagery in this film yeah imagery we haven't talked about that yeah now before we go into our spoiler section i'm just gonna say like i said recommends but i'm thinking about it and there's just some scenes you can't there's some things you can't unsee yeah and i feel like people who have been calling it not a horror movie are the kind of people who laugh at it to disguise the fact that what they're looking at it's actually terrifying mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. because uh, oh man it, there's like two or three things i'm just yeah I'm like, God, this is twisted stuff. And we just saw Puppet Master, but this is twisted in a different yeah. way. You know, yeah, different, in a very different, different way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. just warning for listeners if you haven't seen it yet and you're considering it, this movie is visually. Uh, ooh, I boy. came home and, and cussed out my plant. That's how scary it was. Because <laughs> I came home in the dark and a leaf brushed past my shoulders and I was already in a tense mood. And yeah, so that happened. You're so like, blankety blank, you plant. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that'll leave it for our, uh, you know, our, our review piece. Uh, so we all we all like it. We all yeah, think it's basically think it's one of the best films of the year. It sounds like so far, yeah, sure. so far, so far. Absolutely. We're only in June, so. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to spoilers. So if you do not want to be spoiled on Hereditary, go ahead and tune out now. You just did it for me. You did it for me. All the work. I was going to edit that in somewhere, but no. That's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so okay. it, that's sort of the first sort of spoiler. It's in the trailer, but you'll yeah. never hear that sound the same. No, no, no. There was a there was a guy in the, in the second screen. There was a guy in the back of the just theater doing it. doing it. I was like, oh, I hate you. I hate you're you. You're so Stop. funny, dude. Yeah, yeah. you're so funny. Um, so we're going to talk about the ending, and this is why I, I, I said this is a coming-of-age film, because this is a coming-of-age of age film for the king of Satan. Of Satan, well, hey. One of the kings of hell, sorry. Yes. Sorry, one of the, yeah, what, kings. Eight, was it eight kings of hell or something? Yeah. Um, they, they are sort of um, using several different mythologies, I think, with it. Like, there's there's the, like, the dukes and princes of hell. Um, Paimon's mis- uh, mentioned in the um, Ars Gotia, um, I think, which is like a listing of like 72 prominent demons of, of hell. And that's, it, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, they, but they use the symbiology, the, the, the emblem mm-hmm. for payment from that text, which is from like the 14th century or something like Interesting. that. So, it's yeah. creepy because yeah. they, you know what I mean? Like they actually really delved into like r- legit real stuff. Right I think now. that's what makes it scary. I think that's the other thing that makes it kind of scary. And I'm, you know, you know I, I don't know really how I feel about some of these type, these in real world, like uh, supernatural elements, but it's one of those things I've always been like, yeah, but you don't, you don't screw with that stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I'm I like, wouldn't. they're like, what, they're like, would you board uh, seances? I'm like, no, nah, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I don't, believe air quotes but apparently i believe in it enough to say yeah but just in case just in case let's, um, let's not yeah. let's not play with fire yeah exactly so, <laughs> so incorporating that like really knee deep in the thought another side of it is even if you, you know you don't buy the supernatural elements the film puts on like there's still cults out there that do things like yeah. this out there yeah summon um, these things yeah, yeah. or like they, they decapitate bodies and all sorts yeah. of crazy stuff yeah. yeah i i say that because this is a family f- it really is a truly it truly it's a family film it's a family film. yeah <laughs> take your daughters take, take your children yeah skip the incredibles just that's why they shared the trailer during peter rabbit <laughs> right. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they knew it was a family they just knew yeah those four children that trailer was terrifying yeah it was scary oh man yeah uh so i again Alex Wolf plays Peter, who is a teenager. Who mm-hmm. he, he's for him in the film. Of course, he accidentally kills his sister, and it was a pretty pivotal moment in his life. And yeah, kind of, and like from then, that's where he has to kind of break. He kind of breaks down, and we see him kind of slowly descent into. He's, I mean, he's like led down this path of insanity. Yeah. Either way, that, coming of age. Well, you know, it very, it very much focuses on Tony Collette a lot mm-hmm. throughout most of it, to where mm-hmm. you think that it's all going to be focused on her in some fashion. And there's, there's parts that sort of lead you to think maybe she's going to kill him, you know, mm-hmm. intentionally or not. Um, and so that, that third act shift where suddenly now it's, it's very much Peter's story and mm-hmm. we're focused on him. 
Um, again, another example of how it kind of subverts our expectations, you know? Um, and I think like the dealing with the grief aspect of it as well, as we mentioned before, um, is another way in which the film does that because, um, we're probably thinking like the Babadook, of course, you know, this, this is about grief. This is about, um, you know, families dealing with that and how are they processing their grief? Um, but I almost think the grief is a red herring in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, I agree. Uses a red herring, definitely. Yeah. Right, right. Well, the, the the grief is the thing that's covering up uh, again. Red herring. It's the thing in the family drama. The grief is what's covering all of the real issue. Like those real issues were all there. The grief right, is yeah. just on top of it. And uh, as to the fact that uh, you know. Tony Collette knew her mom was into some weird stuff. I was paying really close attention to some of those, the statues she was making where mm-hmm. she actually, you're like, oh shit. Like yeah. the whole, like the her mom was breastfeeding her <laughs> yeah. babies. Like and that's stuff. normal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally normal. Um, you know, little things like that where, where you realize, oh, this is really screwed up. Their you know family what I mean? is just, it ties in, in the same way again, using I think the the demonology or the 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 worship of you know this this god satanic king of hell mm-hmm. you know uh, as a kind of a parallel for deep buried secrets within families mm-hmm. right there's this underlying thing that her mom passed on without really telling her kids she passed on. In a lot of the same ways, our parents pass certain things on to us that we don't realize we pick up on. Yeah, and it's that thing, and that's the thing that ends up coming back to destroy the family. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think and like you really said, the, the evil is, is really sinister and it's vindictive because it also, like you said, it keeps exploiting them in their most vulnerable moments. Mm-hmm. Because you have like Ann Dow's character, for example. You know, she is the only character that has been able to reach or access, you know, Tony Collette's kind of vulnerability with that support group that she goes to. Mm-hmm. So she invites her over there to talk, you know, to try and summon, you know, um, her daughter back. And, you know, and obviously she's at first, she's resistant to it, but then she's latches onto it and comes kind of an obsession, but all the while, you know what I mean? Like this was the grand scheme all along, you know, they were, they were manipulating that family for a long time. So when it was, it was, it was interesting to me because, um, I didn't pick up on the first time that, the supernatural. There's a lot of weird things that happen early in the film. The supernatural stuff really doesn't start until that seance happens. That and that's where we launch into the. She welcomes the the. She welcomes it in into whatever it, whatever it is that and that's when the the real exploitation happens is when mm-hmm. she snaps. They do that. She she pressures her entire family into the seance they don't want to do. Peter's curious and he's vulnerable. Right. So he's yeah. like, sure, why not? And the dad just like. Not about it, but at the end of the day, he gets pressured right. into it because he doesn't stick up for himself enough. You know, another mm-hmm. thing. He's kind of detached. Uh, yeah, it, and that's and that's where, you know, you start to see all of the insanity just unfold. And this mm-hmm. stuff's terrifying. Um, it's so, almost like it keeps torturing them for trying to do better. Right. You know, they try to do better and then they get punished for it. Uh-huh. Because, like, for example, like she wants her daughter to be a little bit more sociable and engaged. She invites, tells her to go to that party. Please go somewhere and do something, you know. Um, and then it, it backfires in a really horrific way. Um, well, that whole, and that, well, that whole sequence the, the is whole just sequence. so, yeah. But it does call into question, too. Like, I mean, this is something that the daughter doesn't want to do. She yeah, she didn't want to do it. You're forcing them to do it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then the, the the thing, the first thing that I saw, and, and this was something that, like, early on when I was watching the film, I started to say, well, this is weird. I like, is this bad writing? I don't know. And it was the EpiPen uh, mm. aspect of it, which they introduced in the in very beginning when the, the at the funeral for the grandmother. And there, you know, Charlie is eating this chocolate bar. And mm-hmm. um, uh, is it Annie? Tony Collette's character is, is Annie, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seemed a little on the nose, yeah. right? It seemed right. a little like. Well, so, and she was like, well, are, are there nuts in that chocolate bar? Because we don't have the EpiPen. And I'm going, why don't they have, if she has such a life-threatening nut allergy, why don't they have an EpiPen? On them all the time, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then later on, uh, you know, right before Charlie dies, um, it, it's the same situation that, I mean, the reason that she ultimately dies is that, um, she doesn't, they don't have an EpiPen and she eats a chocolate cake with, with a bunch of nuts on it. Mm-hmm. And right. so again, it, it really just sort of like, 
how good are these people really? You know, yeah. how, how, or aloof. how hard are they trying? And how hard are they trying? Yeah. yeah. Well, and once the, that whole sequence, like we're chopping the nuts and everything, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Once it was presented, you're like, this is, this is so obvious. They've laid it out. Remember, she doesn't have the other pen. You already see what's going to happen before it happens. And I'm like, well, but then, exactly. Well, that's the thing I was talking about earlier. Like it sets up what would, I mean, like it's not a, a, a serial killer, but it's, Oh, the nuts, that's Conflict. the serial killer. And you're like, Oh, okay. We know how this is going to go down. She's going to eat some. And then, Right, yeah. something awful is going to happen. That's what the demons come in, or, you know, or something like that. And, and then, like, it just took a left turn because I, I mean, it was firstly it was just an awful sequence to watch where she's just slowly gasping for air, mm-hmm, yeah. and then just the misfortune of the, he's not going to call nine one one because he's a party with drugs, mm-hmm. and he gets in the car, mm-hmm. and then just swerve, you know, just, does just uh, the night scene too of him driving and just how it's just like yeah. this black mm-hmm. void, you mm-hmm. know. It was that to me, that and was he's isolated. The, he can't do yeah, anything. Yeah, that was one of the most horrifying moments for me because I've, I've been in landscapes like that mm-hmm. where it's like it is so dark out here that you just de- you have no idea what's in front of you. Yeah, try yeah. driving driving down any Oklahoma highway. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, just the imposing mountains and the mm-hmm. just right very horrifying. And he's he's, he's, he's like these giant shadows him. looming over him in the darkness. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. Right. What I felt walking away from that scene though. When he leaves and goes home after the, it's been, it, he doesn't, it's like he doesn't blink almost, you know, it's like he's mm-hmm. in that state of shock, you know, for that whole period of time and he doesn't bother to tell them. He doesn't, you know, just, he, he goes to bed, not really lays down with his eyes still wide open as the whole night passes. And that's how she, Tony Collette has to come to find her decapitated daughter is right, in the back right. of the, and it's just so like. And then that I just thought that was constructed so well. Um, it's oh, just yeah. so layered and so I mean it is. It's dark, but it it, it it's very effective. Um, yeah, extremely effective because I, I agree. You have the drive home. You have the moment where everyone go realizes, oh, did this just happened, and it's even worse. Like the vit, and you know, you, you kind of get the assumption ah, they're not going to show this awful thing because when they don't show you immediately, you're like, okay, well, we're just going to yeah. Deal and, with and, the and then in her and her uh, uh, Tony Collette's screams and cries Shrieks. are going to be enough because all and all it plays really well it all it all mm. flows you're already like just in a state of panic watching it you're like you're just like him you're all tensed up you're like oh my god about how she's going to find out uh-huh. like oh my god and then you get that little flash you, 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 of you, the decapitated it, head disintegrating it, with the ants and i'm just like yeah that's all you need it it's like it's like you need it. i want to say it's somewhere between between seven and ten seconds but it mm. feels like a minute oh yeah it feels yeah. so long mm. it's on the screen you see the maggots crawling around the mm. face and everything yeah. and it's just a just i mean it's that, that that image is burned into my skull forever yeah you you've seen it both you you have both seen it twice now and I, so i can't recall um did they did the the screams continue on the soundtrack Af, like while they were showing the head yeah yeah they yeah. Did. yeah they did okay. yeah. That, that's what i thought um well and you know and you didn't even really you weren't sure if she was decapitated or not you not initially no yeah, you just yeah. thought she hit her head but you know she wasn't alive she, was, yeah, she, she was wasn't alive dead, but, you, but but yeah. that that it gave it yeah it left no questions after that yeah. but yeah <laughs> yeah but i think again it's the idea uh that these <laughs> these magnets a lot in this movie i noticed that like mm. uh because you i mean there's a lot of dead bodies but usually you don't necessarily get that as a as a prominent effect but i think it's again goes to the idea that this evil is like thing is like consuming the family from the inside mm-hmm. out i don't know just can't really mm-hmm. imagine the th- thematics of the film um i mean so yeah i think that was an a plus sequence and that's when you get just it it disarms you in, in yeah. a way i think i knew at that point that i was in for something that i was not it wasn't going to go where i was 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 planning and also because at that point we were so emotionally involved with all the characters right. that that sequence had impact because we cared you know about everyone normally you know we're just waiting for people to get hacked off because we don't care about anybody. Yeah. So I thought that was really effective because I thought it was just so innocent. And she well. was, in, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she like did. Yeah. All the people. That, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And as if they hadn't been through enough grief, I love how they kind of the trailer, because normally I, I'm critiquing trailers and how they just reveal way too much. They did a really good fake out in the trailer here because they have Tony Collette like shrieking and sobbing and you assume because of what they do tell you in the trailers that the grandmother passes away, mm-hmm. that that's what it's from. But that's actually right. Charlie's funeral. Right. And right. Well, of course we don't know that in the trailer. So I thought that was a really cool way of to kind of like, again, trick us or manipulate us into thinking something that's actually not going to happen in the way we think. Very clever editing yeah. with the trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And very intentionally uh, editing from a 24. Yeah. I think uh, the super natural elements work really well for me because again, it's a subject matter that I find kind of, 
just inherently terrifying because I don't understand it. Um, but I like that uh, the once they have this seance mm-hmm. and Charlie possesses Tony Collette. Yeah. That is... Yeah. Okay, that, yeah, that was the next scene where I was like, oh, God, this is just yeah. awful. Mm. There's all those like weird warning signs that you have like Ann Dowd across the street yelling at them. You're like, oh, this yeah. is weird. This is bad. Yeah. Oh, no, it's great. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yelling through the chain link fence at Peter. Just mm. like, <laughs> yeah, it w- that was so bizarre. And, and props to Ann Dowd, too. She's She will do she's anything fantastic. and she will do yeah. it well. <laughs> so. The the old thing about reading the phone book, like I would watch her read the phone yeah. book, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would be and now I would be like, that's a warning smell. Dow's in it. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, um, but like there was a lot of little things like along the way that I really enjoyed. And if you have any particulars, we're you know talking, feel free to bring them up. But uh, I, I I jumping to the seance. That's where the the heavy supernatural elements come in. Oh, actually, I take it back. Before we get to there, dream sequence. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, there's a lot there's of dreams. There's them, a couple of them. The one that stuck out the was paint the thinner one. Was, yes, yes, the dream yes. within the dream. Yes, where she's she dreams that Peter's got those ants mm-hmm. all over the mag- same maggots and yeah. ants all over his face. Mm-hmm. Again, terror, just unnerving image of all the bugs on a guy's face. Yeah. Oh, wakes up, it's a dream, and then that's when she like lets it slip and says, "I never wanted to have you in the first place." Yeah, mom made me. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, that's again, that's a great combination. Mm-hmm. Of the supernatural dreamy sequence, exploiting their anxieties and uh-huh. insecurities about things, and mm-hmm. but it also ties into the it's a good history lesson mm-hmm. for us, of, uh, the, tying into the 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 the, the grandmother's yeah. like how she has just really been a strong arm to this family to doing things they didn't want to do, right. which is coming back to haunt them. Right. I also love that it was it started as Peter's dream and he yeah. wakes uh-huh. up, yeah, but then it's Tony Collette's dream, so who was initially dreaming in to begin with. Yeah. This. And I think that does kind of harken back to the, the opening shot of the film where we zoom into the model house, the miniature house, but, and it's real people inside of it. And that motif keeps coming up throughout the whole movie. Yeah. So there is sort of this question of, well, you know, how, is any of this real at all? You know, what mm-hmm. is real and what isn't? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where Peter kind of is at the end of that to where like one has to imagine that maybe there is some of him left uh, mm-hmm. there when with Charlie along with him, uh, but we don't really know. You know, we don't. We're not even really for sure if if Charlie is in there or not. You know, right? Um, and then and then that's where the film kind of ends with this sort of miniature shot again. So it's mm-hmm. like, what is what is real? What is actually happening here? Right. That's a great question. That, it, does, it, it, does, it does end on that, like, the treehouse is a tiny little miniature room. Right, because we come back out and we zoom out with all of the people, you know, there kneeling down and worshiping um, Peter's character. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's again, it's uh, the structure of it. Like, it's like we're looking inward to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. I hadn't, hadn't considered that. Um, I, guys, but, I mean, the, 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 the sequence... The, so, there's a sequence where... Tony Collette and her husband, they all get in a fight. Mm-hmm. He decides, no, I'm not going to burn the book. She takes it, th- does it anyway. Yeah. In the trailer, by the way, if, you, if you're watching real closely, but it, it's like a blink and you miss it. Blink. But I noticed it later. I was like, oh, that's in the trailer where he just on like fire. lights on fire instantly. Mm-hmm. Again, clever reversal because mm-hmm. they'd set it up earlier that if she burns the book and she even thought uh, the she was going to burn. Oh, that entire sequence leading up to that, too. I keep doing this backwards. Go to moments and then retro and then and then roll back. That whole sequence is A plus plus acting mm-hmm. because he is convinced bef- before that scene even ha- that encounter even happens that she he's sending that email that she is on the brink of if not in the middle of a psychotic break mm-hmm. and listening to her explain to him what's going on and because he's been so detached he doesn't know any of this stuff yeah. so he just it just might as well sound like crazy gibber- gibberish nonsense to her to him mm-hmm. and. But we in the audience know that there is some, it, it doesn't really fully make sense, but like there's enough there. You're like, oh, we, I know you're talking about something related here, mm-hmm. and it all tracks enough that we can follow what she, she's saying. But in the context of that conversation, mm-hmm. he thinks she's actually snapped. And it's yeah. really brilliant. I think mm-hmm. it's really brilliant for that because there's buildup on both sides of that. Mm-hmm. It's, and it, it paints them both as, you know, real characters, right. not just like the abusive, obnoxious, ignor- you know, mm-hmm. ignoring husband or the, crazy frantic woman wife mm-hmm. trope you know what i mean yeah and then of course she and then once the ultimate reveal happens and you know uh 
it winds up backfiring yet again. She tried to do the right thing, and then, but you know, evil has different plans. Right. So. Yeah, I think that was the ultimate takeaway: is that like one, nothing. Like if you think you figured this out, you haven't. Both from the, the characters and the audience's standpoint. Right. Um, and that too, rules don't really apply w- mm. with any of this mm. um, because it makes no sense. You know, I mean, the, the the logic that if she burns the book, she will burn too. She 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 experienced that because she tried to burn the book and then she caught on fire herself. Mm-hmm. So she has mm-hmm. evidence on her side for that matter. Um, but even beyond that, it just it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. you know. So the the point of of the, that that you guys made about how um, it, it just sounds like ravings. I think that, that mm-hmm. that's what what you said is, um, and and it's because it is. It just yeah. it's it's completely nuts. It's baiting. They keep mm-hmm. baiting them. It's like yeah. well, tease her with something lead her down that path mm-hmm. and then it pull the rug from underneath for that's always right. the plan always you know so it's almost like if if it seems so clean cut it's probably not going to go that way right. you know so well i just exactly. think it's a great way to utilize a trope again the the raving woman but we as the audience know she's correct but right he doesn't but you're right what she's saying is like we know enough to know that she's got something she's saying things that make certain sense yeah, there's mm-hmm. a logic there. There's a logic yeah. there that we're kind of tracking that he's not. I think it's really a really clever implementation of that, though, because she isn't right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because she ends up burning the book and killing her husband. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Um, which again, it goes to where you're dealing with supernatural powers that you just don't understand, or in the case the context of, of the idea following that parallel of the family drama that sometimes mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. think you're think you're doing the right thing for the person, but at the end of the day, you're actually mm-hmm. destroying them. Destroying them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you're, you're literally lighting them yeah. on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that last sequence, so it was really funny. Visual cue I didn't catch the first time. That was super obvious. I don't know if it, it, might, it was probably because it was three in the morning. Um, <laughs> but that's, there's a shot of the house during the day, and then it goes to where it goes tonight, and then all, those, all the people are standing outside. Did you guys notice that? Uh, like that last night shot, it's a pan of that. It's a wide shot of the house mm-hmm. where like it gets, it's the very daytime. end. It's would... really, cl- it's before they get to the treehouse. It's like right before he wakes up for the, from the dream. Okay. Peter. Okay. I know the day to night that you're talking about, but I, I, I did not notice people. Yes. There's in the, in the woods. Are you talking about in the yeah, woods? Yeah. When yeah, like all around the house. Like they're all over the place. Yes. Yes. I did see that. I did not. But the first time didn't, yeah, I didn't, catch didn't that. register. And mm-hmm. then the second time I was like, Oh shit, there are people. At, like there's the naked people everywhere. I they're was like, and I don't enclosed know. Enclosed in the house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can see them all around because they've got like these weird torches or something. You know what I mean? You can yeah. just, it's, but it's not super pronounced. It's like, it's like in the foreground, it's covered by shadows, but if you mm. if you know what you're looking at, you're like, oh. oh. Yeah, it makes it very eerie very quickly. Um, that I didn't initially see that sequence when um, Peter wakes up and Tony Collette is in the, in the corner. corner. Yeah. It's oh, a- God, that was, oh, man, magical experiences when yeah. I saw that. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know how long it took. I can't remember how long it took someone to notice, but the second someone did, it was like, wildfire yeah. across the theater everyone yeah. goes oh my god and then yeah. everyone just like gets freaks out freaks out freaks out and then the second she crawls around the yeah. you know the first time everyone just like goes nuts it was a wave in the theater of people realizing like i was one yeah. of the last ones to notice it but i, I saw everyone like oh you know they're gasping what are they freaking out what's going on what's going on what what, what are they looking at? oh she's right up there See. but that was another uh subversion that i really liked was that she's up there in the corner and we think well she's gonna leap down and right. it's gonna be scary nope. you mm-hmm. know yeah. And never does. Never happens. No, nope. the the, your, the tension is still there, but yeah, exactly. Well, the follow through follow through comes later. Yeah, and the follow through is also a subversion because the the follow through eventually happens when he goes down to the fireplace and you see her once again. In she's in the, the background corner, in the corner, and then, but then she runs out of this totally other side of the room. Yeah, you know? like yeah, again, just the, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And again, it's, a, it's that bending of logic. It's like none of this is making any sense. Right, at this right, point. right, 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 right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean. Just what that whole sequence is just it is is amazing. The weird naked people. I just I the like, old man in yeah. the house that kind of just emerges with that sinister smile. And, and he's, he's the guy from the funeral. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Oh, that, is that who he was? Yeah. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. I didn't. I saw it, it twice. So much then. creepier. That yeah. makes he's it so scary. creepy at the beginning and the funeral. I'm like, who is, is this that, guy? Why is, why he, is he smiling yeah, at this child is, whose yeah. grandmother's dead? <laughs> but then you forget about him. Yeah. And then, right. but then there he is again, and you're like, mm. fuck, that's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy guys at funerals, you just don't, you don't look yeah. in the eye. If they smile at you at the funeral, then it's, probably it's, no it's, good. It's over. Um, it's no go. 
it's great because I feel like at that point in the film, Peter's very confused. We're very confused with him. He's not, again, he's not sure if it feels like a dream. He even says towards the end, he's like, I got to wake up. I got to wake up. And we're kind of like, it, it might be a dream. We're not really sure because we've seen so many dreams throughout the film. Uh, and God, the, 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 the other visual that just really should, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, Tony Collette. Cutting her own head off. Oh God! Yeah, the, with the that sound. wire. With the oh, wire. Mm-hmm. God, it's so ominous. Like they yeah. you hear the sound, you're like, oh, it's not good, and it keeps going. And then you're like, like oh, okay, what's he gonna see when he looks up? And and then you, you know. hear that the the sound of it rolling. You know, um, oh. yeah, yeah, it's rough. Also, the image, like I think they kind of juxtapose, like you know, when Peter hits his head up again, he's possessed, and he hits his head up against the desk. Oh yeah, it's yeah. very similar to when Tony Collette is like. Um, beating her head up against oh, yes. the attic ground, yeah. you know, trying to get inside. I yeah. thought that was really interesting. But. Can't forget that. Yeah, again, that was really clever. How was she hitting this thing so many times? Oh my god, it's, it's her, her head. head. That yeah. makes it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, so back to Christopher's point, though, I think that was a really clever subversion because mm. it kind of goes back and forth from their point of views throughout the film, mostly mm. s- focusing on Tony Collette, and then we have that big shift at the end. Yeah, we'll figure out what the hell's. I mean, kind of figure out what's going on. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what did you guys think? Did you guys think this ending with the whole him going up to the treehouse and finding out he's actually been groomed his entire life to be a, a vessel for this king of hell to be? I've heard complaints on on both sides. I it didn't bother me. It did make it very. It made everything very literal at that point. Um, we're now, you know, um, normally it's a little bit more, you know, it's a little vague, but here. By saying specifically, this is this was all geared towards this moment, and you are the. And then I did. I would have probably could have done without all of the dialogue that was in that was said in the treehouse. It gets. It gets. It's a lot. It's a lot of exposition that was not there previous, and I didn't think we needed it. I think we could have figured out what happened that he inherited this. You know, I mean, unreluctantly inherited this position without that, without Andow saying you are the, you know, and all of the, you know, explaining all the details about it. But I mean, it was a minor. Go ahead. Well, sorry. At the same time, then it's it's also like, well, how does this work? Because, you know, they they talk about how Charlie. um, Charlie says she that grandmother wanted her to be a boy. Right. Um, And so so she. Because and 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 Tony Collette's character said that she shielded Peter from her mother when he was first mm-hmm. born, and so then because she felt guilty about that, she gave her Charlie, which was her exact words and mm-hmm. a very very telling way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So so basically, it was Charlie being groomed this whole time, but they just needed Peter's body, body as right. a host. Yeah. So and and she calls Peter Charlie and Dowd's character calls him Charlie. Right. And she mm-hmm. says, don't it's okay, Charlie. You're you're back now or whatever. Um so but it's also Paymon. So so who's in who's in who's in who's in that body? <laughs> yeah. is or is it all of them? I don't yeah, know. I yeah. don't know. And the way Peter sort of like Peter's still standing there like what the fuck is all of this? Yeah. Right. So it could still be him. Maybe Charlie's not in there. Yeah. Or Charlie's just in shock. Where's payment in all of this? You know, mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, that was uh, a question I had. I, I thought maybe I'd have more clarity after seeing it another time, and I, I did not. Because, um, <laughs> because, yes, they keep calling him Peter Charlie, and they said, "Hey, we had an unhealthy vessel with with the girl." I so I wasn't sure if initially. She, what they were talking about Charlie or were they talking about the grandmother was she actually a vessel on a, a, a failed vessel at one point like I was just really confused well in some way she might be because th- there's there's a significance with the beheading of the three women in, mm-hmm. the, in the family mm-hmm. um, the grandmother oh yeah uh, loses her head first, essentially, because unbeknownst to us her body is in the attic without a head mm-hmm. which we find out later um, then Charlie's beheaded and then uh, Annie finally beheads herself so mm-hmm. Again, again, how does this sort of fit in? How does that make sense? What's the significance of that? We don't. There's a level of yeah, because there's some of the mythology is not. I mean, because obviously we just get a few excerpts in passing, and if you got a chance to read it in that little blip that they give you. But I remember looking the second time and seeing that image uh, from the book she was reading from, um, where Paimon is holding the three heads in his hand. So I know Mm -hmm. it seems like in some form, like 
that was part of the plan as well. But part of the de- tribute to him, or right? Something, but the yeah. details of it are somewhat unclear still. There's something about that whole generational thing that's really fascinating, and I know I'm trying to figure out. Obviously, the idea. You're the sins of your your I mean it's your father and the, the biblical is the sins of your father but in this case it's the maternal figure she basically had yeah. been plotting this three generations of women mm-hmm. all to like lead make this the son the vessel yeah. I, I'm, there's something there and I'm trying to really hard to wrap my head around exactly what that is yeah because I don't think it's meaning like I think that there's very intentional the fact that you see three different women Being all the killed. same bloodline get killed and decapitated also that the son can be the vessel right but I'm not really quite sure. If, what the, if the film's if the film's not very clear about what it, what that means, and, mm-hmm. and uh, especially if you try to read it through the lens of well, family drama, like what are these right. demons that actually haunt you right. um, and destroy your family? I'm like, I don't know. My family demons haven't, or my family haven't killed anyone yet uh, uh, yeah. in that way that I know of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that I know of. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, just this is a spectacular film. Uh, I think it works on a lot of levels, and the fact that we're talking about it, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's cheating us by not giving us more. It's just the right amount of ambiguity. Maybe they could have given us a little more to mm. go off of, but I haven't like gone through on the Blu-ray and watched the stop freeze frame the book. You know, right, I'm not, right, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm probably never going to do that. But like you know, I think they probably could have given us a little bit more information on that mythology side, maybe. But I think you know, uh, in general, I think it's just enough ambiguity to be interesting and keep that conversation to keep going. It cur- keep you curious, yeah. I honestly think I, I I didn't I didn't want for more by the end of it. Um, that that could be because I'm I'm just sort of familiar with some of that mythology already. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I felt like I, I I did kind of feel like if you'd given us any more, it probably would have sort of broken the spell of it. Right. Yeah. That, 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 that's the thing. That that's that's the difference between this and Westworld season two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 ambiguous because because I, I think ultimately it serves the story and the audience because it leaves us kind of like curious, having a conversation mm-hmm. about it, which I think is the best thing that can happen. Intellectually curious, you know. Yes. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't feel like it's so confusing. Nothing makes sense. Right. I mean, a lot of things don't make sense, but in a, in a way that I appreciate. Yeah, it's by uh, design. No, by design. Right. Not right. because it's lazy. Right. right. Wow. Okay, guys. Well, uh, well, we've talked about this movie for about an hour. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about Hereditary today for the listeners? See it. And um, definitely check out his... Um, his original short film, the of course, I think we mentioned his name, uh, director Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. He made a very taboo, pushing like button pushing uh, short film that you can find on YouTube called um, "The Strange Thing About the Johnsons," and mm. it's also a, a movie about family dynamics, twisted family dynamics, and it got him a lot of praise. Probably, you know, is what put him on people's radar to make this feature film about another dysfunctional family. So there's that. Yeah. Christopher, anything else you'd like to add on there? Um, not so much about hereditary, uh, specifically, but, uh, two four in general, um, they're, they're, they're consistently putting out really quality, high quality films. Um, and hereditary is no exception. So. Yeah. I like that. They keep getting bigger and better. Yeah. I think this film yeah. was I need to check. I want to say it was actually produced by A24. Because sometimes A24 just picks these films up. Yeah. Right. I want to say, I need to go back and check. I want to say A24 might have funded it. Because they've done this with some of them before, too. Mm-hmm. They might have funded this one, um, which is I a think, big deal. I think that's right. I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, spectacular film. Go out and see it. You know, I, in, in a, I, I'm getting increasingly more curmudgeon, I've realized, about crowd pleaser films. And horror films are also crowd pleasers, even if they're scaring you, mm-hmm. air quotes, mm-hmm. scaring you. So I appreciate a film that's not. That's uh, likes to upset the status quo, but also plays fair enough. Right. You know, right, right. doesn't feel cheap or, or mm-hmm. like it's insulting the audience just as much right. as it's um, not th- mean spirited either. It's not right. it, it, like it's, it's, it's a gnarly upsetting movie, but it's not a mean spirited movie. Right. It's not making fun of anyone. Right. Yeah. Does right. it make the audience, it's not like going out of its way to like make us as the audience feel stupid for right. liking horror films. Right. By any means. Right. Right. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen. So that'll be our review and kind of deep dive analysis of the spoilers of Hereditary. That is a film that is now playing. Uh, gentlemen, before we wrap up, I want to let the good listeners know where they can find you online. Uh, Christopher, we'll start with you. Uh, best place is to just go to my website. That's uh, com. S-H-U-L-T-Z. And uh, you can find me from on uh, Facebook and Twitter and various other places from there. Ron? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the names Laron, and you can find me on Facebook under my name, Laron Chapman. Excellent. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Cmasters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. Also uh, as Cmasters91 on Letterboxd and Instagram. Uh, and of course, if you want to keep up with all of the work we're doing here at the Cinematropolis, head on over to the Cinematropolis.com. Uh, Christopher wrote a lot of Dead Center coverage for us recently. Uh, Hearts Beat Loud was a review did. Puppet Master, uh, mm-hmm. The Littlest Reich, I think was another one our listeners of this podcast might be interested in too. So make sure you head on over to the Cinematropolis.com. And of course, Laurent Chapman's podcasting us every month. And yes. you've written a lot of awesome things for us as, as well. well. Yeah. Very nice. So listeners, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Next month, we'll be talking about time travel films. So you aren't going to want to miss our future talks. I know Alexander's already very fired up about soundtrack next month. So uh, we will catch you all next time. Bye.